0: Hello there, and welcome to Gilded and Blood, the horror lit podcast. My name is Kevin. It is time for another short shock episode. Last week we talked about Naomi Alderman's The Power still just one of my favorite books of all time. Absolutely wonderful book, but it was kind of heavy. It was pretty heavy content. So I thought I'd lighten things up a little bit here today with our short shock and talk a little bit about hell. (laughs) That seems like something that's going to be a little bit easier to digest. This is a short story called Office Space by Richard Lee Byers. Not the wonderful movie. Everybody should see that movie. But uh, this is, this is a, story that I took out of a book that I have called Dante's Disciples. It is an anthology of stories, of course, talking about Dante Alighieri and Inferno. This is a book of stories about hell. Now, I, for some reason, well, not for some reason, I'm a horror fan. (laughs) I think this is probably true of a lot of other horror fans. I love stories about hell. I, I I dig them. I think they're very, very interesting because the concept of hell, this dimension of punishment is very, very fascinating to me. I love fiction about it. I actually have a nonfiction book in my, in my library called The History of Hell, where it goes through all the different interpretations of this kind of, as I said, this dimension or this place of punishment as it relates to different religions. I just find it really, really fascinating. And of course, Dante's Inferno is a classic. It's an absolutely wonderful poem that every single person should read. I would recommend reading it with, uh, annotation because you're probably not going to recognize some of the people that Dante meets throughout hell because you didn't live in 1300s Italy. So the, the import of why these people are there is probably not going to make much sense to you if you don't have kind of some, uh, supplementary information, but I love it. I I love the idea of the different ways people imagine the worst thing that they could possibly think of. And all of these stories have kind of a different element of hell. Uh they they kind of see it differently. And this one is kind of one of my favorites because it's so banal and boring. (laughs) There there's this phrase out there that hell is repetition. It's endless repetition. It's the same thing over and over and over again for it. Eternity. And, and that always sticks in my mind as something particularly horrific. I, I always think of Sisyphus in Greek myth, and you know, a person condemned to roll a, a stone up this hill. And just before he gets to the top of the hill, it slips out of his grasp and it rolls all the way back down. He has to do it again and again and again. Or, uh, Prometheus, who's liver gets eaten out by an eagle every single day and then it regrows and then gets eaten out so just this concept of hell being uh, repetitive uh, in nature is really really disturbing and fascinating to me and this is kind of where this story kind of gets its power Uh, Well, let's go ahead and just get into it Uh, we start with our main character Crandall his eyes snap open and he is sleeping on the floor Of This office and it's revealed to us through the story that he has been here for an undisclosed amount of time. He can't remember when he came here. It's like he was always here. And this office seems to be just a normal, boring office. Everything is gray. Uh, It it has the desk and the computer and a phone and, and there's hallways outside and everything. He has a window and he can look down and it looks like downtown Uh, big city. It looks like people are just going about their day, but everything in the office is wrong in some small way. The chair is designed to hurt his back. The seat slopes down and to the left so he can never quite get comfortable. Uh, His clothes are itchy. They don't fit quite right, but he's not allowed to take them off. We'll get to why in just a moment. The, the papers that he looks at are written in this scribbled gibberish it doesn't mean anything there's no actual words there but he's forced to look at it like he's doing something the phone will ring and he has to pick it up and answer it and this croaking voice just just spouts nonsense to him not, not words just sounds right and just over and over and over for like 10 minutes and he tries to talk to him. who are you what is happening what are you doing to me? Why is why is this going on? And it never responds to it. it, just keeps doing these uh these sounds, and then it'll stop and he has to put the phone down and get back to work with these documents. Uh every so often a box of tasteless, bland donuts or danishes or crullers will appear on his desk, and that's all he has to eat. Uh, the water in the bathroom, is it, it, it feels like it's gone through rusty pipes. It hurts his mouth. It gives him canker sores and all these things. And he's been having to do this over and over and over again for as long as he can remember he's trapped here because there is this entity outside called what he calls a gray guard it's this humanoid creature and his face has no features to it's just kind of this bland uh, expanse of flesh and it has this gigantic arm with like a stick and If he does anything wrong, and he doesn't know if it's wrong or not until the gray guard comes in and beats him to within an inch of his life. Uh, That's how he is taught what is right and what is wrong. So it, it says that uh, at one point, he decided, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to look at these papers. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm just going to sit here and see what happens. Well, the gray guard comes in and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> so now he's, he does what he, he has to do, but he, he has tried to get onto different floors of the office building because as he says, he looks outside and it looks like it's a normal day. It, it, and people are going back and forth and, and nothing bad is happening out there, but he can't get to them. It's always out of reach. He can see it. He can't open the window. The window is sealed shut. He can't call for help. Uh, the phone doesn't dial out. It just, you know, it, it rings and he has to talk to this weird entity and he's trapped here and it seems to have been going on forever. <laughs> he's, he, there's no, there's no variation until the day that there is. Because one day he wakes up and he goes out and he washes his face in the nasty water in the bathroom and he comes out and he sees a woman. Another human for as long as he can remember, he was the only person in this entire office floor. And now he sees this woman and she's, she's battered. She, you know, she's bruised. Her, her clothes are ripped. She's clearly been, uh, you know, assaulted by this, uh, this gray, gray guard. She's been beaten up. There's blood on her face and in her blonde hair and everything. And he's like, Oh my God are you real? And she's like, Oh my God, there's another person in here. So they, they actually get together and they, they decide that they are going to try to escape because she said she has been into the stairwell. She was chased out of there, but she knows that the stairs go down. And if they can figure out a way to, to get down there, they can get out of here. And it's never really explained how long has she been here uh, what what is what are the things that she's been going through well, one has to assume that uh that's it's at least somewhat similar to what he's been going through but now they are together and now that they have you know this teamwork time they can possibly get out of here well uh they they start kind of making these plans and then all of a sudden here comes a gray guard. And the woman, of course, shrieks, starts running towards the the stairwell, and the gray guard is is running after her. And Crandall, for a moment, can't move. He's absolutely petrified. He's, he's kind of working on muscle memory. He does not want to be beaten again. But he finally thinks to himself, if I get the focus of the gray guard on me rather than her, She can get out. She can get help. She can send help. She can, she can get both of us out of here. She can tell people what's happening in this place. So he runs over he grabs the at the gray guard's leg it kind of beats him away and keeps going after the woman who's running towards the stairwell he he throws stuff at the gray guard to try to distract him finally he kind of holds on to its arm and it turns its attention toward him and starts beating him mercilessly but just out of the corner of his eye he sees that the blonde woman makes the stairwell she looks back at him gives him this look that says i will send help and runs down the stairs. And that's all he sees before he loses consciousness. So he wakes up, he's in the office again, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's bloodied, he's just miserable, but she got free, she got out. It's just a matter of time and he will be rescued somebody will come to help him so he kind of works through his day uh thinking okay any minute now it's going to happen i'm go- i'm going to i'm going to be rescued some people are going to find out what's going on here but as the day goes on, nothing happens. He has to look at the documents. He answers the phone. Uh, he, he says, did, did she make it out? This and this and this. And nothing happens. Just, of course, that same croaking. And as the sun starts to set, he starts to feel this sadness of, oh, well, maybe she just ignored me. Maybe, maybe she just ran for her life and, <laughs> and never told anybody about me. Or maybe she didn't get out and maybe she's, maybe she got returned to her office too. And that gives him a little bit of hope. He thinks, well, if, if she didn't get out, then maybe she's kind of sitting in her office. Uh, At least we'll be together. There'll be another person here where I can, who I can interact with. It won't be as lonely because that's another part of this torment is that has just been so God awfully lonely. So he's feeling a little bit better as kind of night falls and a, a box of Danishes appears on his desk and he, he. Takes up the the Danish. And he knows it's going to taste like cardboard. It's going to, it's going to be you know gummy and sticky in his mouth. It's not going to be any good. And he bites into it and he's like, oh, that's weird. The texture is all wrong here. And he looks down, and uh, coming out of the Danish are long blonde hairs. <laughs> and that's where the story ends. I I love this story. I think it's a spectacular story. Uh, it is so short and so sweet and so concise about really kind of the maximum impact of how awful it would be to be stuck in the same God awful routine, and especially this routine involved in the office—one of the most bland, soul-sucking, boring places to be in the world. Imagine an office building in hell, and that's what I—I I think we have here. And that—that that ending is really, really dark, and I—I've just found it spectacular. Again, I wanted something a little bit light for this week, uh, something that's kind of a little bit more like junk food. Uh, as opposed to the four course meal that we had for our novel last week, uh, so this one's a little bit short, a little bit sweet. I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. I think you should definitely go check out. If you're a hell junkie like I am, and most uh, horror fans are, if you've not seen Hellraiser, yes, yeah, sure, definitely should. You should go get this co- this book, Dante's Disciples, put out by White Wolf Publishing. It has an excellent assortment of really, really good uh, stories in it. One of um, we'll probably get to it at some point, One of the really, really excellent ones is "Chatting with Anubis" by Harlan Ellison, the author of one of our short shock episodes, "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream." It's a really good anthology of short stories. Definitely one to keep on your shelf. All right, that's it. As I said, kind of a shorter episode today, but that's all right. We'll get into a, a longer one next week. Next week, we are going to continue with our Senses of Horror. We have already done Taste. That is Harry Cressing's The Cook way back in January. It is March, so it is, oh, well, it's about to be March, rather. So it is time to get into our next one. I think for our next one, we, we've done Taste. I think we're going to do Hearing next week. Uh, So we are going to look at an Absolutely spectacular novel called The Flame Alphabet by Ben Marcus. Check that one out. It's really, really unique, and I'm looking forward to discussing it with you guys. Thanks, as always, to Slaughterhouse for the use of his music that is, Slaughterhouse with a five instead of an S. Uh, you can check out his work on Bandcamp. You can check out what I am currently reading on thestorygraph.com. Uh username Libris Leonis, L-I-B-R-I-S, underscore L-E-O-N-I-S. You can check out some of my writing, some of my fiction, on gildedinblood.com. You can also look at uh past episodes of the podcast, and you can look at some of the articles I have written. This is your last chance to vote on the, uh, the poll that I've put up. Uh, once that's done, I'll go ahead and talk about the results, uh, next week, as we talk uh, about, when we get into March and we talk about our next episode. So feel free to uh, subscribe, follow, comment, all that good stuff. But until next time, stay safe and stay spooked.